Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Really glad to have this young lady on. Her name is Riley Gaines. You probably know her name because of the controversy with NCAA swimming and uh, the place she received and and the glory she didn't get that she probably should have. But I'm not even going to start there. Riley, first of all, thank you for coming on. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on and just giving me an opportunity to continue sharing my story. You're very welcome. And your story is not about swimming against the guy. Your story isn't really about the 12-time, you know, All-American uh, wins that you're, or awards that you've won. The story is, I'm guessing from the time you were a little girl, you've been swimming yeah. your face off. You've been swimming like crazy and you were building something that you thought would be, you know, the eventuality of you competing for championships and trophies. Tell me when you started swimming. When did, when did this all hit you like, I could maybe do this professionally or, or competitively? Yeah, so I started swimming at the age of four years old. Wow. And that's not unique to me. Um, most elite athletes, most elite swimmers especially, they start swimming by that age. Because when you start swimming, let's say, by the age of 12, it's too late. Um, of course, there's anomal- anomalies, but there's so much invested yeah. from the time you're in elementary school, you're in second grade. Um, so it's a lifelong journey for sure. Um, and, and that's the way most people go. And, you know, I started playing baseball when I was eight or nine years old and I played baseball, baseball through high school. I wasn't good enough to be a professional baseball player. I was good enough to be a professional musician. So I went that way and then ended up being a communicator eventually. That's what we do in our formative years. We figure out who we are and what we want to do. And were you great like immediately or did it take a lot of work? I'm sure you worked very hard, but did you already have a natural talent for it? Yeah, you know, I think I did. Um, both of my parents were Division One athletes. Um, my dad was an SEC football player and then went on to play in the NFL. And so I was very fortunate to have athletic genes. But, of course, I worked day in and day out. Um, I was willing to be resilient and work hard and make sacrifices, which included not going to prom, not going on vacations, not having sleepovers. All of the things. Um, so it's definitely a mix of both. I'm guessing minding your diet, doing uh, regular practices as well. By the way, Riley's the spokeswoman for the Independent Women's Forum, which is amazing. And I'm so glad that you are. Um, but, but I'm guessing, again, your diet's very strict almost year round. I, I remember when I was like lifting weights and like I thought I would be a bodybuilder when I was in my early 30s um, and getting in really good shape. I, I couldn't have the pasta I wanted. I couldn't go nuts and have a bunch of cheeseburgers if I wanted. I, if I wanted the result that I wanted, I had to stick to something very strict. Were you like that? as well? Absolutely. And this is your nutrition, um, your sleep schedule. There's so much that goes into being consistent um, and working hard to achieve excellence outside of the pool, especially when you get to the collegiate level and you throw in academics, um, you throw in community service, which I was extremely dedicated to. There's so much that you have to develop a sense of consistency over to continue excelling in your sport. It's uh, Riley Gaines, incredible swimmer. Um, I'm guessing you swam through high school. Did you get a swimming um, scholarship to go to UK or no? I did, yes. Um, I was fortunate to have the option, um, well, I'll just say lots of options, around the country, some of the most phenomenal swimming schools. Um, And I knew I wanted to stay in the SEC, and so I went on a couple trips, um, and I was really down between Florida and Kentucky. Um, But ultimately, I chose Kentucky, which, looking back, I could not have had a greater college experience, and I'm realizing that God put me at that school for a reason. And and thank God that you went there because, again, great success. So you're, you go through all four years. At what point does a man show up at your meet? Was that your senior year? It was my senior year. Um, so my college experience was nothing of normal because we had COVID, oh, actually. Yeah. And right. so 
One of my NCAA championships my sophomore year, I was robbed of. We didn't have it. It was canceled um, in March. Of course, the world shut down in March of 2019. So that took one NCAA championships. And so my senior year, I came back. I was hungry to win a national title, which I had made my goal. Um, and out of nowhere, middle of my senior year, um, this person starts leading the nation in multiple events by multiple seconds. And it was a person I had never heard of before, which is pretty bizarre in swimming because like in I, most sports. Yeah, you would know who the competition, but I have to yeah. stop you. So uh, I'm, I'm hearing you and I'm wondering now this is very even more interesting. You don't know who the person is. You're just seeing this name, Leah Thomas, like in the standings. Do you see video of this person or you're just hearing about this person yeah at this point i hadn't seen any video wow. i had just heard leah thomas leads the nation and the hundred freestyle and everything in between until the mile so think about running this is like having your best 200 meter runner be your best marathoner it didn't wow. make sense yeah. um, this was of course nothing of normal especially when you're leading by seconds in some events which swimming is a sport that's measured down to the hundredth of a second so when you have someone you've never heard of who's a senior at University of Pennsylvania, which is not typically a fast swimming school, right. leading the nation, it, of course, makes you scratch your head. But by no means, until I heard it was a male, did I think this could have been a male. It uh, never even crossed my mind. I'm not a big sports person now because of a lot of the protests that happened. I used to be. But but I, I turned away from sports because of that. We can talk about that some other time. But I, I think that Penn is in the Big Ten, right? Um, it's in the Ivy League, actually. Oh, okay, so I'm thinking about a different uh, uh, Penn school. I, I I used to be in Lansing, Michigan. I know that MSU was Big Ten, so was Michigan, Michigan, Ohio. I think uh, Northwestern. I thought there was a Pennsylvania school too. Either way, um, so they're not in the same division as you. So you're not swimming against these people during the regular season. How does the NCAA do it? Okay, the top swimmers from the entire country get together for a meet. Correct. That's pretty much how it goes. Um, it's about 30 people per event. Okay. Um, so in swimming, there's about 16 or so events. And so the top 30 in each event are invited to swim at NCAAs. And so keep in mind, my team at University of Kentucky, just the women's team alone, we had 40 girls. So inviting wow. only 30 girls per event is extremely exclusive. Um, and it's a huge honor to be invited to swim and qualified to swim at NCAAs. And you were the top swimmer at Kentucky at that point? Yes, I was in my events. Um, what I were your events? I swam freestyle and butterfly. Um, I'm actually the SEC record holder in the 200 butterfly. Amazing. I, try, I tried to butterfly once I sank. So I, <laughs> no, how on earth do you go? That's why you've got these broad shoulders, right? I mean, this, this, this whole action is... I mean, absolutely. How do you? Absolutely. And again, I'm very intrigued by by your success, and I want to get more into Leah Thomas in a second. But how do you train for that? Do you do a lot of shoulder exercise out of the pool? Do you build the muscle because you're doing it so consistently in the pool? How does that work? Both. Um, at the collegiate level, you're in the water about six hours every day. Oh wow! Training, just swimming. Um, that's not including the three or four weightlifting sessions we have a, a week. That's not including the 15-minute ab workouts we had to do every day. Um, and so there's so much time that goes into collegiate swimming, um, especially at the University of Kentucky where we were really volume-focused. Um, we did a lot of yards every single day. It's amazing. So uh, let, let's get back to the NCAA calls, 30 best swimmers. Let's all get together. At that point, is it the first time you ever saw this guy, William Thomas, who was saying that he was a female swimmer? Yes, um, that was the first time I ever physically was able to see Leah Thomas in person. Had you seen um, Leah Thomas swim before, though, on video? 
Yes, I had. Um, what did I you saw think? Leah Thomas swimming at the Ivy League Championships, to which, of course, Leah Thomas broke every record, crushed all the girls, became the Ivy League female swimmer of the meet. Um, and just watching these videos, especially in the longer distance events, when Leah is body lengths ahead of these other extremely impressive female swimmers. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's almost a sense of intriguement. Like I was a bit intrigued to see how this meet would go just because this was something I never, ever in my lifetime expected to be happening. But of course there was this state of utter shock and this heartbreak feeling. Um, I know how many people sacrifice so much to fight relentlessly for title nine. And so to see these men infiltrate back into our sports and steal our spots on the podium and steal our scholarships and our opportunities and our privacy in the changing room, it is, of course, this feeling of just utter heartbreak. I can't, I can't even imagine. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm 56 and I still lift weights. I could outlift you easily. I could outlift, <laughs> I could outlift Leah Thomas easily, to be honest with you. Right. I'm, just, I'm, I'm 6'1", 250 pounds, and I'm a big, strong guy. There is right. no woman that can outlift me. Maybe the world's strongest woman, and I used to work out with a lady named Jill Mills, who was the world's strongest oh, woman for a while. Her. Yeah, she, yeah she's, she's, amazing. she's a great friend of mine. Um, I, yeah. She might push me. Um, she's a little, a little younger than I am, but it would be so completely, I could today go and compete against women's uh, weightlifters and beat all of them, and I'm almost 60. So how stupid is this? I mean, this is this has to be a departure from reality for you. So you're at the meet. This guy walks in. Do you first meet him in the in the changing room, or do you do you meet him outside first? That was actually the first time that I saw Leah Thomas in the changing um, room. Yeah, we of course you, knew. You, we you've were... got to tell my audience about that that experience. It makes me sick, but I think it's important that you tell it if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. Um, so of course the NCAA let us female athletes, of course, know that we would be competing against Leah Thomas, but we were never forewarned about the changing room arrangements. Um, I think we all pretty much assumed Leah Thomas would have accommodations, um, for Leah Thomas specifically. I thought there would be a single stall or something that Leah would use, but that is of course not what we saw. Um, that first day I was in the locker room and I, and I kind of want to set the scene. The swimming locker room is not a place of modesty. Um, these suits you put on, they're skin tight. So it takes about 15 minutes to put yourself in these suits right. um, to which 15 minutes you're fully exposed. And so that first day we're changing in the locker room and I, I can't even tell you the shock when it gets dead silent and you turn around and there's a six foot four male undressing drops the clothes and Leah is fully intact with male genitalia. Come on. I mean, it was just what a year ago, two years ago, this would have been considered some form of sexual harassment. Oh, without a, he'd be um, arrested without a doubt. You can't undress right, in the ladies locker room. Indecent, indecent exposure, voyeurism. Yes. But now not only was it just happening on the off chance, the NCAA was pushing this. They were encouraging this. And so I immediately left the locker room and asked an NCAA official, hey, how did this happen? What are the guidelines in place that allowed this? And he said, well, we had to make the locker rooms unisex. So this meant that any male could have walked in our locker room. I could have walked in. Absolutely. And they didn't even forewarn us of this. 
I've got to ask you this, and, and it's a great word, consent. You didn't give consent, and you should have been asked first. If they're not going to give Leah Thomas separate accommodations to keep him away, if he's just a biological man and got all the, the, the anatomy of a man, should have made a special accommodations, why not at least give you a chance to have special accommodations exactly. to not be to not be a... Listen, I, I played baseball in high school, as I said earlier, um, and I was already uncomfortable showering with other dudes. I can't right. imagine if a chick walked in. I, mean, I would be like, what? What, what you, yeah. Get out of here. I'd be covering up and doing everything else. I mean, um, and so at that point, you're now confronted in real time with that situation. Did you tell, did you say, hey, look away? Did you cover yourself up? What, what was your reflex? It was a subconscious sense of uncomfortability where you do cover yourself up without even thinking um, you, you cover in a way. Um, and again, this is subconscious. This was, this was an innate reaction when you have someone of the opposite sex watching you undress and simultaneously exposing himself. Um, it just felt like that vulnerability that you're almost comfortable with in a woman's locker room. And, and I won't even say fully comfortable because like you said, it's of course not that comfortable undressing in front of anyone. Yes. But that sense of vulnerability that you do have immediately, of course, lost when a biological male is sharing that changing space with a room full of exposed women. Let's talk about Title IX for a second with Riley Gaines. She's a spokeswoman for the Independent Women's uh, Forum, which is wonderful, and uh, we're so glad that you are. And go go follow her on Twitter. She's got a newer account. It's it, You have underscores in between your name or at the end of the name now? Yes, it's Riley underscore Gaines underscore. Okay, um, My old Twitter was deleted, so... We're working it back up. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll figure out why that happened. But let's go. I, I followed you earlier today. Do me a favor. Give me a follow back if you feel like it. And we'll get everybody who's watching and listening to go and follow you as well. Um, the question to me, because, and again, I'm way older than you are. You're young enough to be one of my children. Um, when I was in elementary school, Title IX was put in place. And I asked my gym coach, my, my PE coach, who was a female, I said, can you explain it to me? And she said, yes. Boys have a lot of opportunities in athletics. This is just to make sure girls have an equal number of opportunities. And I said, well, that's good. I had three sisters. I, it didn't bother me. Um, but it was never, ever, ever, never supposed to help me. It wasn't supposed to help boys get girls' opportunities because literally this person took an opportunity away from a, a 30th swimmer from some other school, from some other Absolutely. place. And you've mentioned this a lot of times. Leah Thomas, as William, is not a very good swimmer. Right. Leah Thomas, when Leah was Will, was ranking 462nd in the country at best. And so you think, I mean, nothing about that is an opinion. It's sheer statistics. It's facts. And so you would think the NCAA would be able to look at that, again, look at the sheer facts of it and see how blatantly unfair it is. Um, If nothing else, take out the privacy piece. Take out the, the safety piece. You think they would be able to look at this and see how this was not a lateral movement. This was not Leah going from ranking first in the men's to first in the women's or 500s in men to 500s in women's. This was Leah being a mediocre male at best. I mean, a division one swimmer. So of course a good swimmer, but within the males category, mediocre to being the fastest female in the country again, by seconds. And there's a situation where you actually tied Leah Thomas, right? I mean, a dead heat tie. Correct. Fill fill my audience in on the fact that you didn't even get to hold the trophy. Yes. So the first day Thomas swam, Thomas won a national title in the 500 freestyle, beating out Olympians, American record holders, 
the most impressive female swimmers in the country. Um, and so that second day, Thomas and I competed against each other in the 200-yard freestyle, which almost impossibly enough ended in a tie um, down to the hundredth of a second. We both went a minute, 43 seconds, 0.5 something. Wow. I mean, down to the hundredth of a second. And so upon tying, we go behind the awards podium where the NCAA official hands out the trophies. And he looks at me and Leah and says, great job. Y'all tied. We don't account for ties in terms of trophies. So we're going to give the trophy to Leah. Why? And so I look at him and I say, okay, I understand you don't necessarily account for ties in terms of trophies, but can I ask you why you're adamant on giving this trophy to Leah over me, a woman? And he, of course, was not prepared to be questioned because no one had questioned anything they had done thus far. And so he looked at me and said, well, for photo purposes, Leah has to have the trophy. You can pose with this one, but you go home empty handed. Leah takes the trophy. Uh, and that to me was when, I mean, of course. What a slap in the face. You, you actually tied this right. person who shouldn't even be in the pool with you. So you would have right. won by, by uh, very easily. I had this right. person not been there. And then to be told you can't celebrate the win. Come on. And honestly, I didn't even want the super trophy. Um, I'm a 12-time All-American, so I have lots of those at home. It yeah. wasn't the trophy, but of course it was the principle behind it. Um, it felt like me and my fellow teammates and the other female athletes at that meet, it felt like we had been, I mean, we were. The NCAA essentially said that we were reduced to a photo op to validate the identity and the perception of a biological male. That'll do it for part one of my special interview with Riley Gaines, part two tomorrow night on the Joe Pag Show. Stay here. Joe Pags. Really appreciate Riley Gaines coming on. Part two is going to be tomorrow night. If you're making plans, uh, you want to make sure that you that you listen to part two, it's going to be at the same time as you heard it tonight. I'm not going to say exactly what time because some stations don't run us live. Same time you heard her tonight, you will hear her tomorrow night for part two. And I do ask her, did you guys consider just not getting in the pool, just boycotting it? Interesting answer. All right, Joe Pag Show, break at the top. We're coming back another big hour. Stay here. This is the Joe Pag Show.